But I first want to tell you a story of Dan Jackson. He's the president of the North American Division, if you are not familiar with him. And he tells this story. I had the privilege of listening to him out in California. And he tells this story about him building a house. And as he was building this house, he was getting ready to do the foundation. The rebar was in. The truck was backed up. And the concrete was getting ready to be poured. Just before they were turning the truck on to fill the footers, this automobile came around the corner, skidded its tires, and a gentleman came out, raises his hands and making a face. Dan Jackson knew he had one or two things. He either had a Pentecostal preacher on his hand, or he had an um, upset inspector. The inspector said, Mr. Jackson, you are building your house on the wrong lot. That's exactly what he said. He said, oh my. He said, how can this be? I paid for the best surveyor in this county. The inspector itched his head. He said, who might that be? Why is Mr. So-and-so? The inspector kind of looked. He said, I know that gentleman pretty well. He looked at the permit box. And he said, well, said, enjoy your building experience. And as he drove off, it was time for our presidents to raise his hand and make his face. And he said, praise God. The reason I tell you that story is I want to ask a question, who laid out the survey in our light and who laid the foundation to give us the victory of salvation? Let us pray. Dear Lord God, I ask you to put your servant behind the cross. May your words be spoken here. Rebuke anything that is not of you. We praise you and give you the glory. Amen. You know, this weekend is a celebration. It's July 4th. It's a holiday. Who doesn't like holidays? There's going to be fireworks, cookouts, parades. It's going to be a day where we can take a break. It's a celebration of independence of 1776, just as the children's story was talked about. By the way, I enjoyed the children's story. That was, and I appreciate that, Mary Lou. Uh, you know, the conflict of our independence didn't come without battles and the loss of lives of many individuals. The conflict went back to 1763. That was the year that the French and Indian War ended. The war cost the British many lives and a lot of money. They needed to build up their war chest. And how were they going to do it? Well, that was the beginning of the battles of the colonies. The British passed the Stamp Act of 1765. I'm going to give you a little history of the background. This led to the Boston Massacre in 1770, to the Boston Tea Party in 1773, 
So the conflict, that conflict turned into the Battle of Lexington. By the way, if anybody likes the History Channel, besides me, they had this whole scenario on the History Channel last week. Then in 1776 is when we declared our independence. When we declared our independence, there was choices to be made. You either had to choose to be a British loyalist or stick with the colonies. And if you stuck with the colonies, you were in the minority. The reason I bring this up to tie it in, the conflict of the great controversy began in heaven, which you and I are involved in. You and I also will have to pick sides. The choice of right is a lot smaller. You will be in the minority. It's a narrow road compared to the choice of the world. Our decisions, what you choose, will affect your future. I want you to know also, our independence didn't come without leaders. General George Washington, he fought in many battles. He was in New York, New Jersey, Saratoga, then finally in Yorktown when Cornwallis surrendered. Then the war was over. Our general, our leader on this earth battle is Christ. Our Lord has fought in many battles also. Today, I want us to look at three major battles that's gonna, that gave us the opportunity for eternal life. And knowing, I want you to understand this, knowing our victory is sure. Amen? If you so choose, because you will have to make the choice just as the colonists did. First of all, I want to go to Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. I remember sitting in the back row there, and every time a verse was quoted, first thing I did was pull out my Bible. Because I wanted to know what was being said was the truth. It says, O oh, you Lucifer, son of the morning, cut down to the ground, you who weakens the nation. You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Lucifer decide, desire was to be Lord, to rule over, and he wanted to be worshipped. He envied the Son of God in his position. I want you to know Lucifer was remarkable. He had remarkable intelligence. He was outstanding beauty. He had power as the leading angel in heaven. He was perfectly created. He was free thinking. Just like you and I will have to decide whether to obey or disobey. Just like Lucifer, we will have to decide whether to worship God or worship self. Just like Lucifer, we will have to decide whether we will follow God or will we lead. We were created with the capacity to think and choose. You know, as I was preparing for this and was in prayer, I began to think of heaven. And as I thought of heaven, before sin it was so pure. 
Just think how the angels felt when Lucifer showed his resentfulness against God. All they knew was God's law, and all they knew was harmony, and all they knew was love. Why? Why would one of their own, an angel, a leader, decide to break ranks and develop evil? Maxwell describes God as he was explaining to the angels the Ten Commandments. And one of them they came to said, Thou shalt not steal from one another. Imagine the look on the angel's face, asking each other, We shouldn't steal? Lord, what do you call that again? Stealing? What would we, what would, what, what would we steal? I don't know. I just don't want you to steal. Okay? That's fine with us. We won't steal. See, the point that I'm making is there was no sin in heaven. They didn't have to worry about stealing. They didn't have to worry about the struggles that we go through. Fellowship and worship was out of choice. They were all endowed with the desire to love, but also with the capacity of choice, just as we have the same ability to choose. All they knew, it was a joy and a pleasure to be ruled over. Amen? They were in complete harmony with heaven. The amazing part, and I don't want you to miss this, the amazing part is the God that you and I serve was willing to risk the entire universe in order to build a kingdom based on freedom of choice. And if it took a detour, sin, that was a price worth paying for. Lucifer turned his questions into sin. He dwelt too long on stinking thinking. He crossed the line. He let his mind wander into unknown territory. The great controversy, and don't miss this, the great controversy in chapter Snares of Satan, if you haven't read it, grab it. I have great controversies out back. Please grab one. There is but one course to pursue to who honestly decides to be free from doubt. There's only one course. Instead of questioning and being concerned with what we don't understand, give heed to the light which always shines upon us. Then, then, greater light will shine. I've seen it so many times. We want to chase that rabbit down that hole to find out something we just don't quite understand. And then we get sideways. You know, as heaven assembled together, the voice Father filled the room. And he was with a sad voice. Our highest angel, Lucifer, has chosen to oppose the rules of heaven. He wishes to depart from life of obedience, to live in separation. Lucifer jumped up. You have twisted my words. I really wish to remain. Who would want to leave heaven? But, Lord, 
I want to remain under my rules and conditions. When I thought about that, I had to ask myself, do I just accept some of the beliefs that I'm comfortable with and remain in this church? Like Lucifer, I like to stay pot, but I want it to be under my rules and my conditions. Do I choose to read into the words my interpretations and not believe the whole three angel message, or do I let the Holy Spirit lead me? Is my survey on God's Word, is it laid out by Scriptures, or do I follow my own beliefs following man's tradition? These are questions I had to ask myself. And finally, and don't miss this, do I have the knowledge of the blueprint? In other words, do I have the knowledge of the Scriptures, but not the structure? Jesus? Revelation 12, 7, it says, War broke out, and Michael, yes, Jesus, fought with a dragon, the devil, and the dragon fought back and was defeated, just as he will be in the end. Lucifer, who is leading the whole world astray, was thrown out of heaven. The battle in heaven was won with a victory, but the war still existed. I want to look at another significant battle. It's in Matthew 4, 1 to 3. And we're familiar with this. Christ was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to do battle with the devil. See, temptation is a battle that we must only overcome. The only way that we can overcome that is exactly as Paul said, we need to put the whole armor of Christ on. Amen? In the Desires of Ages, page 114, it said Christ went there to be alone. He was preparing for His mission on this earth. For 40 days and 40 nights, He fasted. I get hungry after I fast for one day. I can't imagine fasting for 40 days. I get tired when I pray more than 30 minutes. I can't imagine praying consistently for 40 days. It was after prayer and fasting that the evil one appeared with temptation. What was this battle about? See, Satan claimed this world as his. He proclaimed, he proclaimed that God, that man, not God, but man has chosen him as their rulers by our action. Christ has come to dispute Satan's claim. As a son of man, Christ would stand loyal to God. Thus, to show that Satan has not gained complete control over the human race, thus making his claim to this world false. Satan couldn't understand it. In his selfishness soul, he couldn't understand the kind of love that God would send his son for a deceived race to bear upon him, his son, the curse of sin. Christ would freely give his own life to purchase redemption for a lost creation. 
I think 1 John 3.8 sums it up best. The purpose of the Son of God is to destroy the work of the devil. The work of the devil is to gain our soul. Lucifer's strategy is no different. It is to undervalue the heavenly things. To set our minds and our hearts on the things of this earth that we might be so caught up to miss our Savior as it was back in Israel time. Is the same battle we have today. Imagine, I just want you to think, in the wilderness, imagine this. The first temptation, which shouldn't surprise us, was what? Appetite. He started right where he left off at the garden when he worked on Adam and Eve. It worked on them. Surely it would work on Christ after 40 days. He was hungry. He was weak. He came in our humanity. He has the same emotions, desires, and feelings that you and I have. Satan challenged to Christ, If thou be the Son of God, show thy power. In other words, relieve thyself from thy hunger. Command these stones to bread. But rather than serve self, he trusted in the word of his Father. He gave the same answer that should be ours. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Three times in the wilderness, Jesus claps the hand of his Father. Three times the written promise of the fathers were claimed. It is written. It's the same one that was given to the prophets of old. Victory was won in this battle, but the war continued. The next battle I want us to look at is one that is going to be tough for me to get through. Yes, I have a heart, and when I see what they did to my Savior, it brings a tear to my eye. It puts me on my knees and I say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my complaints. Forgive me for my doubts. So you bear with me as we look at the day of the cross. I want you to walk with Jesus this day. He was betrayed by his own. It was in the middle of the night. He was led past the garden of Gethsemane and the olive groves into a sleeping city. He was led to the palace of Ananias first. He was questioned by Ananias, but Ananias could find no accusations found worthy of death. So he brought him to Caiaphas, who was just as hopless, hotless and unscrupulous as Ananias. And they both questioned Jesus without success. Their actions, after they placed him in the God rooms, with no protections, the people who watched how they have treated Christ also took the liberty to abuse our Savior. 
It says in Desires of Ages on page 413 that His meekness, His innocence, His patience filled them with hatred. It says never was a guilty criminal, never mind an innocent man, treated in so inhuman manner as the Son of God. Mercy. Then in the morning they returned Jesus to the council room where they found him guilty. And the people began to cry out, put him to death. Then the priests and the rulers joined in and they also taunted Jesus. Then they threw a garment over his head and they began to strike him. After striking him, they took that old garment off his head. And one man that was there spit in his face. Our Lord still didn't show any anger. Afterwards, he was led to Pilate. And of course, Pilate was in his chamber. He was sleeping. He was aggravated that he was woken up. Why in the world am I being woken for this Jewish law and what is going on. But as he walked in the room, he saw Jesus, a man with goodness and nobility. He saw Jesus who showed no sign of guilt, fear, boldness, and defiance. He saw a man who was calm. Pilate found no fault in him and sent him to Herod. Yes, the same man who had the blood of John the Baptist on his hand. But Herod was delighted to see Jesus. He's heard the stories of him. And he said, show us a sign. If you show us a sign, Jesus, the outcome will be good for you. Jesus did not speak. He remained silent. Why has he remained silent and didn't defend himself? Herod has already rejected the Holy Spirit through John the Baptist. There was nothing to be said to this man. As Herod said, save yourself if you are truly the Son of God by working a miracle, the crowd began to crush in on Jesus. Herod, with his men, began to mock Jesus. And the Roman soldiers joined in. Herod then sent Jesus back to Pilate, who then gave the people a choice. Barabbas or Jesus. They said, release Barabbas. Then our Savior was taken, faint, weary, and covered with wounds, and beaten again in the sight of all the multitude. The soldiers led him away, closed him with a purple garment, then placed a crown of thorn on his head while spitting on him. While the crowd chanted, if you let this man go, Caesar, you're not our friend. And the people yelled out, we have no king but Caesar. He washed his hands, do as you would. I just want to sum up that day. That day. The last days of Jesus. He had neither food or drink. 
he agonized with his father at the Garden of Gethsemane. He endured the betrayal as the disciples fled and forsaked him in the time of need. His own friends, his own people left him. He was taken to Ananias, then to Caiaphas, then to Pilate. From Pilate to Herod, from Herod back to Pilate. From insult to mockery, beaten twice. He did that for you and I. Christ did not fail in His mission. And as Jesus was led to Calvary, the cross was laid on His shoulders. And upon arriving at the place of execution, the two thieves who were to be crucified with Christ wrestled with those who placed them on the cross. Jesus made no resistance. Christ, a good soldier, finished His mission. He didn't yield up His life until He has accomplished the victory He came to do. In John 19.30, with His pot and breath, He's exclaimed, It is finished. There is victory in the blood of Christ. The battle for you and I was won. The war ended in victory. In Christ's death, there is life. In Christ's crucifixion, there is victory. But in Christ's love, the war was won. You know, Christ is calling for you and I to join His army, to join in that celebration of the promise of salvation. He's calling. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He is calling for you to accept Him now. He will accept you just the way you are. He loves you so much that He gave His Son. It's your choice and my choice what side we'll be on. When you give your life to Christ, He is everything to you. Don't put it off. Don't get caught up in this world until it's too late. I wouldn't be doing my duty if I didn't ask if there's anybody here that feels that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. That you would like to be baptized or you would like to do Bible studies. Just stand where you're at. If there's anybody. And the reason I ask this for to stand because He says, if you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. If there's anybody who would like to recommit their life to Christ with me, because I today am recommitting my life to my Savior, I ask you to stand with me if you want to recommit your life to Christ. Amen. Amen.